across the line. He's judged this very well. The drag back to Haris Harun. On the volley! Oh! What a goal! He's on Mahbud, who clips that one forwards nicely. Safwan wins the header, the little step over. Harris! 1-0 to the Lions. Singapore take the lead. GDP. Defended by Myanmar, finally cleared, and Harris is there yet again. Another volley. Hantaran ke dalam Faris, tandukan dan gol. Harris Harun berjaya melakukan satu glancing header. Disambut gembira oleh penyokong-penyokong pasukan Lions. Captain pasukan Singapura Harris Harun memberikan gol pertama Lions 12. Hi and welcome to the final whistle. We've been chipping away and trying to get him on the show, and we finally have him here. The Lions captain joins us on this episode. Frank Lampard and Chelsea throw a spanner in the works as RB Leipzig attacker Timo Werner looks set for the Blues instead of the Reds. We discuss the possible reasons for Liverpool's decision not to make a move, and then we talk to our guest about his career with the national team, club side Johor Darul Takzim, and what makes him tick. So I mentioned earlier that we have been trying to get him from day one. On this podcast, we try to inspire the next generation. Create good content for our local football fans and just make it a pleasant, feel-good experience. And I'm so glad that we finally have him here. He ticks all the boxes that I just mentioned. Kabir, what comes to your mind when I talk about Haris Harun? What's there not to think when when you say Haris? Um, he's a good role model on and off the pitch. And also, I've 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 known people who know him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he's a good person also, lah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think even in the from a media perspective, everyone mm. only has nice things to say about yeah. him. He's a really genuine guy, so I really take great pleasure introducing the Singapore national team and Johor Darul Takzim captain, Haris Harun. Haris, how are you? And Hi. what have you been doing? Thank you, I'm very fine. Thanks for the kind words. <laughs> yeah, very flattering. Uh, but uh, yeah, during this COVID period, I think that's just the probably the same things that most people do. Mm-hmm. Just being cooped up at home and uh, trying to just keep up the fitness as a, as a footballer. So yeah, yeah. So just to keep the shape. The, the one ready. positive thing is, uh, of course, you get to spend more time with your family now. Yes, definitely. I think I have two young kids, so it's nice to have uh, see them more often right now, see the wife more often at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but you know, sometimes they can drive you crazy. But, <laughs> uh, but it's normal. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing in, in that sense. You know, yeah. I, I miss miss those stuff. Uh, you, you don't get those stuff, especially when you're traveling a lot yeah. with the national team and with, mm-hmm. with the club. So... But but it's been all, all good, all nice so far. Yeah, this is good to hear. Okay, let's first warm up by talking about English Premier League. Mm. Uh, in particular, Timo Werner. So according to recent reports coming out of England, Timo Werner has agreed a move to Chelsea instead of Liverpool, and there must be a reason why Liverpool did not go for him in the end. Uh, Harris, in your opinion, and by the way, Harris is a Liverpool fan. For those uh, listening, <laughs> where do you think Liverpool need to strengthen? And do you think it's their loss for not going for Werner? Uh, at this point of time, I'm not too sure. Because mm-hmm. uh, I I do feel my is my personal opinion. That I feel they they need to to bring you know 
maybe a one or two attackers to to you know compete with mm-hmm. the front three because mm-hmm. we know what the front three can do the damage they have done how they the chemistry that they have with not only themselves but with the team with the the players behind them and it's devastating is shown last year and this year so far in the season before it was stopped so but the only uh thing that I think is concerning or as a fan mm-hmm. is we know that the Africa Cup of Nations coming up in January yep. and uh Salah and Mane will be involved mm, so yes. that is two third of 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 mm-hmm. front three and that's concerning because if you take that out and significantly for six, seven, eight games possibly, it's, it's a huge loss. So yeah. I feel they will bring in somebody, but it's who? And I think with Jurgen Klopp, over the years, he's shown uh, the players that he has brought in and transformed. You know, players that he has brought in have become better players yeah. and, and become superstars at Liverpool, you know. So uh, we have confidence uh, or I personally have confidence that you know there's a reason why they're not taking Werner in mm-hmm. or maybe they might just bring us a press and bring him later on because I, I, I read some news I don't know it was yesterday or a couple of days ago mm-hmm. that I think uh, Leipzig came out and said that you know there yeah, was no yet, yes yeah. so you know that was same case for, for I think Alisson and, and Oxley Chamberlain mm-hmm. so you know, it might be a surprise, but then again, if he doesn't come, uh, I'm I'm sure they have some some other players in, in mind. Yeah, is yeah, there just, a, sorry, sorry? Is there a certain position in in Liverpool that you think really needs someone? So a lot of people have been talking about how Liverpool lack a creative midfielder, yeah. someone who can play in the number ten role. Mm-hmm. Do you necessarily agree with that? Yeah, I think so because I I think uh they have a workhorse like Henderson, Wijnaldum, you know, Milner to come in to play midfield, mm-hmm. and and but that's the way how Klopp you know and, and it's been working but it's a little bit frustrating I think like you saw in the Champions League when they played Atletico mm, you know yeah. a player like Coutinho was missing mm. but what are we to who are we to complain I yeah. mean you, we sold Coutinho we got <laughs> Van Dijk and Alisson I mean you know yeah. that that's that's how it is but mm-hmm. if we can get a player of Coutinho's caliber to come in and mix it with the boys that we have right now I think Liverpool will, will, will take maybe another two steps up from from uh, from that team so It'd be great to to bring in another creative outlet, yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing: I've been talking to a lot of Liverpool fans. They think that their team is perfect. Yeah. No one else can come in, and no one else can uh, should even come in. Yeah. What do you think about that that opinion? I mean, yeah, <laughs> performance has been really yeah. good, but no team is perfect. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think. I mean, that's how I feel as a Liverpool fan watching Liverpool play the last two, maybe three seasons, because mm-hmm. we know that every game we're going in. You're gonna get a uh, goals. You're gonna get a mm. uh, really good performance, but then again, you know, this is football. Being a footballer myself, I know, you know, these things probably you're gonna have the highs and lows. So Liverpool's mm. are, Liverpool's at the high high moment right now. Mm-hmm. So, but we we have to prepare for the future, and I'm sure you know top managers like Klopp and his you know his management team they they know this. They know that they have to get players in continuity. You know, the younger ones to take over eventually. Mm-hmm. So I I think. They'll be wise enough to to get put this in the works, you know, for the for the future season. So, uh, right now, yes, they are I would say close to perfect. Mm. They, they are knocked <laughs> out of the Champions League, but but then again, I think uh, you know, you have to always you know evolve and mm. be ready for for the future. Yeah. So the lows come soon. <laughs> I hope not. Man. Long suffering. <laughs> All right, and that's it for part one. When we come back, we will start our chat with Harris on his career so far. Welcome back. 
Haris, let's start way back uh, from your childhood days. Uh, of course, the question is, was football always on your mind? Do you uh, do you always think that you grow up to be a professional footballer? Uh, I played football from a young age. I think mm-hmm. six, seven, seven-ish, you know, that, that age in, in school, mostly. I mean, of, of course, at that age, I didn't think of being a professional footballer. It was just like any other kids, you know, just running around, having fun with, with your, your, your class, your schoolmates, mm-hmm. you know, your friends. And it's just more about enjoyment, you know, the more I played the game, the more it gave me joy uh, and, and I really felt good, you know, it was a sense of uh, satisfaction, sense of uh, accomplishment. So as I grew up, of course, when I joined the various youth teams, uh, playing along, uh, playing at a competitive level, mm-hmm. uh, I started to think, you know, yeah, maybe maybe I can I can, I can make something out of it. So yeah, that's, that's how it was and, and I'm just really glad that it has come this far. Yeah. Was there a certain age where you realised that you are actually quite good at this? Uh, when I got into the NFA, National okay. Football Academy, at the mm-hmm. age of uh, 14, mm-hmm. yeah, because I know that was the cream of the crop, you know, the the, the top youth players were playing in the academy and, and I was selected. So, I knew that, you know, I was one of the best 20, 30 players in the country for my age. So, mm-hmm. I thought like, you know, it was really good, good opportunity for me to work from here. And, uh, uh, it was, was really uh, a great time in the NFA because I had a really good uh, teammates, friends, you know, I had, had two two of them from my same same school as me as well. So we go to training together, mm-hmm. and I uh, had a great mentor, a great coach in Kadiyaya as well. So I think in terms of guidance, I was I was really in the right hands. Yeah. So you were spotted while you were playing uh, secondary school football, I would assume. I'm not too sure how I was spotted because at the same time I was playing. Uh, yes, I was playing for my secondary school Saint Gabriel's. Yes. Uh, at the same time, I was playing for the Center of Excellence, the South Zone. And also, I was in Home United's youth team uh, under Jakob Hashim. So, I was playing for, you know, a lot of football at this age. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just having fun, enjoying. You know. It was like Monday to Sunday was just football. Monday to Friday in school, you know. And then Saturday, sometimes we have school training and, and NFA trainings yeah. will be, you know, scattered throughout the, the week. And then mm-hmm. the weekends with, with uh, Home United, the Center of Excellence. I mean, sorry, NFA came later on, but, you mm-hmm. know, with the Center of Excellence and Home United. So it was all, 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 all about football when I was growing up. Yeah, of course. Uh, in Singapore, there's always this debate between football and studies. Uh, mm-hmm. it seems like it has to be a choice between either. Yeah. But for your case, uh, from what I've read and from what I know, you actually focused on both areas. Uh, yeah. quite well. Yeah. So how did that drive come about, and why was it so important to you to not forego your studies while you were also focusing on football? I think it was an emphasis. Uh, at home. Okay. Uh, my father one was a football fan he was a football player growing up mm-hmm. he has passion for football so when as, as, as his son when, when it was my my passion to pursue my you know my interest to pursue he gave me all the support and my mom my parents uh, as a whole gave me the support so that was very crucial very uh, important to me you know but they did emphasize especially my dad that you know I cannot neglect my my, my studies my academics so I wasn't really a top student, I would say, but I did enough to get by. Proud uh, mm-hmm. to say that I didn't didn't have to, you know, repeat any levels in secondary school mm-hmm. or in, in poly later on. I managed to get through everything, you know, uh, as, at the stipulated time mm-hmm. given for for each each course or each level. So, uh, I did well enough to, you know, juggle both. Of course, later on in life, when when I had to, uh, juggle my O levels and and my poly, you know, it was a little bit tough because I I was already playing more competitive, mm-hmm. you know, I was with the Young Lions and the national team. Yep. So, but it was a challenge that, that I took up myself. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't just come come to me. Of course, I had uh, really good hands, good 
you know senior pros mm-hmm. my family support you know coaches support you know to to guide me give me the the advice that i needed and 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 i just listen to to them pick up the good things you know good habits from these people and 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 try to do my best yeah your debut at the professional level came when you were 16 correct yes when wasn't it in the same year that you were taking your o levels uh yes it was 2007 2007 mm-hmm. was the year i, I was a sec 5 student so i did five years in secondary school mm-hmm. so yes it was the same year that i was called uh, i mean i signed for the young lions yep. and played in the national team also later mm-hmm. in the year and did my old levels at the end of the year so it was a really uh, kind of a breakthrough year for me mm. in in my life yeah so were there any particular teachers or like uh, like you mentioned you had senior pros around mm. you at the time but did teachers make noise about you you know because i remember that when you were 16 you actually scored for young lions and and you appeared in in every media possible in singapore yeah. so of course your teachers would have known yes this was <laughs> this was really interesting i was just uh, you brought back a memory because mm-hmm. Uh yes there was this particular teacher my sec 4 sec 5 teacher okay. the same form teacher her name is Mrs Chang mm-hmm. so she was uh she was really really motherly figure to to us uh boys then and uh, but you know how 16 17 year old boys can be you know we are defiant yeah. we are rowdy you know and I was from an all boys school you know how mm-hmm. all boys school can be we were like really yep. give give the especially the lady te- lady teachers like mm-hmm. really tough time you know <laughs> like so so my class was was a little bit like this but mm-hmm. she knew how to handle us and uh she really pushed us in our academics and and gave us the the support that we needed uh outside the classroom you know mm-hmm. uh to make sure that we we are ready and 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 she really pushed us so uh talking about the media yes she made me promise because this year especially the later half of 2007 mm-hmm. i went to barcelona i was mm-hmm. Uh, made my debut with the national team. Mm-hmm. I missed my prelims because I went to Barcelona mm-hmm. and it was an agreement with the school because mm-hmm. it was a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. opportunity to go to La Masia. Yep. And um it was kind of a unspoken agreement between me and Mrs. Chang that you know, okay, after I come back from Barcelona, I'm going to focus on my old levels. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go for I can go for trainings, you know, for a couple of times per week but no games. Mm-hmm. But somehow I just <laughs> appeared in a a game <laughs> when I came back from Barcelona and I happened to score. Yeah. In this game, and he came out in the papers. And the next morning, <laughs> I went to school. You know, like nothing happened. And the next morning, she came to me. You played yesterday, and you scored. I said, "Sorry, ma'am." <laughs> I said, "Sorry, ma'am." The first I mean, time you will see someone apologizing for <laughs> scoring a goal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, it was an unspoken agreement between me and her. I yeah. was, you know, I let her down some way, somehow, rather. But you know, football was just in me, and and I mean that that particular uh, experience or or you know scenario. Conversation with with her kind of spurred me on mm-hmm. because I was determined not to to let her down because she put in a lot of uh, time effort uh, because of my traveling my schedule you know she gave me like extra classes extra notes you know to help me out to to make sure that I don't miss too much from my my other classmates so mm-hmm. the effort that she put in you know I didn't want it to go to waste so I had to put my fair share of effort as well so yeah it it was one of those things that spurred me on to make sure that you know I did did enough or did well mm-hmm. to go to to poly yeah. Just for some context, La Masia is a academy of Barcelona. Mm. That's where Messi actually came from. Yeah. But in terms of the experience itself for you, so you won the Nike Chance competition, yeah. and then you went over to La Masia. How was that experience like being in La Masia? It was surreal, bro. Mm. It was was really the moment we we came down the bus outside the academy. It was like wow, I've never seen anything like this. I was seventeen year, but I was not seventeen year. I was sixteen, still yeah. going seventeen mm. year. So. I was like, what is this, man? You just walk in there. They show us the place. They show us the office. They show us the the locker rooms where where I don't think that's where the first team changed. Probably mm-hmm. youth youth team changed, but it was really, you know, really, wow. So we just put change, took a couple of photos around the the 
the buildings, you know, the office. Went to the the pitch to train and it was really surreal experience. I I can't believe what I was doing there, but you know, you were there to enjoy football. A young boy didn't think too much. You just play to 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 enjoy. Yeah. So at that time you would have been surrounded by a few others from around the world who won the competition as well in, 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 Asia. Yeah, in Asia. In Asia. So particularly we were I think uh mostly a Southeast Asian boys mm-hmm. and we had I think two boys from Japan and one from Korea. Yeah. So so there were there were there were players from Thailand, Malaysia, and I think some other I can't remember clearly, but I know there was myself, Thai boy, Malaysian boy. Two Japanese and maybe one or two Koreans as well. So there, there are a couple of us. Yeah. So would you say that opportunity actually showed you at a very young age of sixteen uh, that this is what it takes to succeed in world football? Do you think that was a crucial moment in your career to see this is what it takes to be a professional player? Yeah, I think I think it it, it showed me that you know, uh, there's a lot of hard work that that lies ahead. Mm. Uh, we managed to catch uh, a game, a senior team game, two games actually. Okay. Uh, at 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 Camp Nou. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we watched uh, one of the youth teams train and it was really high intensity, you know. Mm-hmm. Just by watching, you learn a lot. And 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 it showed me that, hey, you know, if you want to succeed, you have to put in the yard. So, so as a young boy going there, I, I learned a lot. It kind of kick-started my, my thinking process, my thought process about football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we interviewed um, Adam Sondi, like one of our few, uh, the first few episodes. Yeah. He said that training in Europe was a lot more intense as a youth yeah. player. Was it the same as um, when you were at La, La Masia? Or was it just um, a different kind of intensity because no one was actually playing for Barcelona? Mm. Or was it? I know? think I think it was, was, uh, it was still intense. It was competitive mm. because it was a competition. Me, we were in La Masia. Yeah. Coaches was watching, you know, mm. there were eyes. You wanted to show how good you are. You know, it's it's normal. It's natural to to be e- even a little bit individual. Mm-hmm. You know, to show skills. Mm-hmm. Don't pass. You know, maybe you dribble the whole team, dribble three, four players. I mean, it's normal. You know, yeah. you are you are at the academy. You you know that some people are watching. So, mm-hmm. I think in terms of intensity, competitiveness, he was there. He was there. I think. Uh, and eventually, when I went to Spain uh, a couple of years ago in Hospitalet. it is the same there. You know, mm-hmm. he was in Barcelona also, but yeah. just a little bit uh, outside. It was the same. Trainings were like matches, you know, they were kicking each other. They were <laughs> so physical. It, it was a third tier in, in Spain, but mm-hmm. it was so, it was less, I mean, if you watch La Liga on the on the TV, it's, it's, it's more of a technical uh, mm-hmm. league, technical football than the EPL. Uh, but I thought it was really physical in the third tier. So I uh, had to, to uh, kind of adjust a little bit and the main thing that stands out is the competitiveness, the intensity of the training. The, they are so serious, they are so focused and, and they take trainings like it is, is matches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, like you mentioned earlier, uh, mm-hmm. in the same year, which is uh, 2007, you went on to make your national team debut. Yep. Correct? Yep. And that was against uh, North Korea. You came on as a substitute. Yes. So, how did it feel like when Reddy came up to you on the bench and said, uh, Harris, go warm up? Yeah, it was... It was uh... <laughs> I was getting goosebumps. I was getting nervous. Mm-hmm. I was really nervous sitting on the bench, you know, to be involved of the to be involved in in that call up. Yeah. I was really kind of uh, surprised initially, uh, but I took it in my stride. I was okay. I went to training, you know, but it kind of started to kick in when you went went to the you on the bus going to the stadium and then you're changing. But still, you know, my 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 nature is you know, relax, you know, stay calm, everything's fine. But when you're on the bench and the game kicks off, it's like. You know, you start to get ner- uh, nervous. Your yeah. heart is racing, mm. 
and uh, I think Ready or I think I think Sasha was was uh, the the fitness coach. Yeah. Sasha was told like let's go and warm up. You know, like a couple of us, like four or five of us were on the bench. We we went to warm up. So warming up at the if you can remember the old Kalang Stadium at the side at the 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 grass grass area. And when Ready called me to come on, I was like that. The job <laughs> from that warm up area to the bench was like so many things were racing through my mind. You know, mm-hmm. like. From my young days until now, you know, this is what I wanted to do. Pull on the red shirt. Now I'm going to play for the national team. And, and I can't really remember what he was. He told me. He just <laughs> said some things. I, I was just like, like a, like a blur sotong, you know, yeah, like, yeah. okay, coach, okay. <laughs> put on the shirt and go in and play, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it was just a, a experience for me to, and, and, but after the, after the game, I did, you know, going, going back to the hotel in the bus. It's like, wow, I already played for the national team now. So what, what more? You know, I want to play more. Mm-hmm. I want to try to win something with the national team. You know, I want to do my country proud. So, let, let's keep it going. At that time, when you were called up, uh, when you attended your first training with the national team, were there a few players who definitely would have made you feel starstruck? Can you name some of them? I mean, who, who made you feel very nervous when you went to see them? Uh, I think <laughs> the whole dressing room because we were ASEAN champions. Yep. You know, the likes of Indra was there. You, you know how, how much of a household name he was mm-hmm. scoring against United mm-hmm. and Uruguay. Uh, Noah Lamsha, he doesn't need any introduction. We know how how he is. You know mm-hmm. the likes of uh, Eddie Skanda was captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know this this place, Lionel Lewis. Um, we we seeing this, sharing the the dressing room with this with with these names. Kind of, I was just uh, overwhelmed. You know, intimidated as a young boy. But you know, I just went in there, did my stuff. You know, go out. And but I must say, they they didn't make me feel like like how it is. They were just model pros then, you know, just mm-hmm. going about their job and, and you know, Ismail Yunus was also, I think, just a uh, young player in the national team then okay. and he was very nice. He came up to me, made me feel comfortable, you know, how asking how, how I was and and it was really, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say a spectac- spectacular introduction but I would say they made me feel welcome. So, mm-hmm. I think that was enough for me to to feel that, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be fine in the national team. Yeah. The, the hard truth in football is that not every youth player successful at the youth stage goes on to have a successful career. We yeah. have had so many examples in international football. At that time when you were 16 and you went on to make your national team debut, I mean, your name was everywhere. Yeah. Did you ever think or did you ever have a fear that somehow your career would not go the way that you wanted it to? What kept you grounded when at 16 you were making your debut? Uh, I would say uh, I didn't think much of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to play football. I just wanted to enjoy myself. But also I have to say maybe uh, at that age, especially after that one year, uh, at, 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 after that first year in 2007, uh, like you said, my name was everywhere. Fame, yeah. was, fame was coming and people mm-hmm. knew who I was. And it was a little bit too much to take as a young boy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I, I'll be the first to admit maybe I was a little bit complacent after that first year. I, I started to think that, you know, I, I was a good player. As in, you know, to take things easy, take things granted mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I started to do that and I got injured in the second year. Okay. In 2008, I got injured in uh playing in S League yep. uh game with the Young Lions against the Super Rates. Yes, yeah. uh, I had a knee injury. I was yeah. out of the game for one year, so that brought me back down to earth. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of taught me like, wow, like what happened? I'm people are talking about me now. I'm injured. I can't play for a year, and 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 you know, will they forget about me? You know, how am I going to come back to playing football? Will I, will I be the same player? You know, a lot of question marks started to to pop up in my mind. And uh, but this is where my my uh, my support, like my family, my my close friends, came 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 in handy. You know, they mm-hmm. kept me 
motivated they encouraged me uh i mentioned earlier about kadeya being my mentor you know he was there to check on me even though he was no longer my coach but mm-hmm. you know he was still in the in the football fraternity in the yeah. in the circle involved he was keeping tabs of my progress so i think these people kind of uh gave me the the necessary support that i needed as a young boy 17 going 18 to you know make sure that i kept my head in the game yeah when you were juggling both your studies and football uh one thing that would have been affected would have been your social life yeah. do you have any regrets over you know um losing certain friends when you were because you had to juggle yeah. football and studies you wouldn't have had time to socialize as much as a, a normal person yeah. would do you have any regrets about that no absolutely not i think uh you have to make sacrifices to to achieve certain things certain goals that you you make mm-hmm. or you want to achieve in life mm-hmm. uh, in my case in my career i have certain goals personal goals individual goals uh and team goals as well for for teams that you want to play for and uh but i believe uh my father used to tell me this you know good friends will stay with you so mm-hmm. uh i i never kind of got affected by that you know friends might not want to hang out with me you know mm-hmm. they're going to put me aside and and i have uh friends that you know to to this day who knew me before i became uh or before before people knew me as haris harun mm-hmm. they they already knew me for who i am not not the footballer mm-hmm. you know for for the person i am so yeah. they are still with me until today and i have no regrets I mean people come and go but the good ones will stick by you so through my high, highs and lows they are, they are, they are there and and I know who they are so uh absolutely no regrets about that yeah were there naysayers when you were growing up like saying that uh, there's no future in singapore football that you you won't get too far it's not a good <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i've heard that you know but um like i said my my upbringing my my parents mm. were really uh important in this mm. especially so my father because he was a football person mm. had the passion mm. for football so you know he just asked me to focus on my studies mm. and my football so uh to be honest i didn't really think about that mm. i mean of course it lingers in your mind but yeah. the path that i took how things turned out for me in the end you know i was confident in in myself uh had that quiet confidence in, in inside of me that you know i can make it and you know something can can happen out of it but then again you know i like like uh, we mentioned earlier uh i had to juggle both sides mm. you know my 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 academics and my football so if anything happens i know that you know i have something to lean on and and you know progress further so uh but you know that was secondary my primary one primary goal was football you know i was confident i i could make it and you know i just it was just about putting in the the hard work moving on to current day uh, national team um it might have felt like a long time ago when you earned your first cap and it was just recently in the last few games that the lions played you achieved your 100th cap uh, mm-hmm. it was against qatar if i'm not wrong yes qatar yes. Friend, yeah. uh how's it like been under tatsuma yoshida so far Well, it was, it's really really good i think um i think a lot of people had doubts when he mm. came came on yeah. even the players we were like who is tatsuma when he, when when he was announced you mm-hmm. know because but that was before he took training so when he took training uh we enjoyed his training for one that, that's for sure you could see in the boys how motivated how how much they are looking forward to come to trainings and and enjoy themselves again so It was very refreshing when he came on uh came came aboard and uh of course 
initially I think the first call out it was a little bit of struggle in terms of uh, communication. communication we yeah. all know mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> his English wasn't the best yet he still needed a translator but I must give credit to him I think in less than a year by the time we, we went for the second or third call up we could understand him mm-hmm. clearly so I think credit to him it shows how much he wants to to help himself and the team just by you know learning the English language to try to communicate with the players and 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 his philosophy his way of of uh, how he want, want us, wants us to play I think the boys are quite clear and uh, we are trying of course it's not perfect but I think we are in the in the right direction yeah. I think as fans we can see the we can see that it's a real there's a real difference uh, mm-hmm. from previously all the different all the previous managers to now yeah. actually we see from what I see from the stands yep. there's a proper philosophy mm-hmm. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as players do you guys care about philosophy do you care whether you play a certain way or mm-hmm. is it just about the results I think uh, I think it's important because uh, we want to know how how you you're going to play how we of course results is important that's mm-hmm. the end product you know mm-hmm. but uh, we want to know how we're going to play, how we're going to go about uh, playing football because okay. of course right now you can talk about lots of philosophies, you know, mm. uh, you talk about tiki-taka and, and whatnot. And, but right now, you you have to be realistic, you know, in, in Singapore, uh, it's about finding a philosophy, a, a style that suits us, suits the cap- capabilities of the players that we have, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't really have such a huge pool of players in, in, in Singapore. Uh, so I think Tatsuma has came in. He's been realistic. He's tried to introduce a philosophy that is, uh, I think most teams around the world are trying to play, mm-hmm. but he has managed expectations. You know, he knows what we can do and what not to do. And, and he's tried to to play around uh, with the players' uh, abilities. So, I mean, one good example I can, I can say, I mean, I've been playing holding midfield uh, for quite a number of years now yeah. with my club. And uh, I think he came to me and he says that he thinks I can do uh, a job for the, for the so and 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 I think Shadan has been doing a holding re- really good holding mm. midfield job with his playmaking abilities from a deeper role. So he swapped our roles about. So I went a little bit up and Shadan came deeper, and and I think we started to play better in in, in that way. So uh, I think that's one of his. Uh, we have to give credit to to, to him for realizing this. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's important. You know, the players know what he wants to do, and we play and and he knows. Uh, how to get it across to the players. So I think that communication is is really important and and uh, long may it continue. I hope we can we can achieve some success down the road. Do you yeah. think it's refreshing that um because I mean we saw Tatsuma come on board and then we started playing good football against mm. the smaller teams first. Mm-hmm. Is it refreshing to you as a player when he uses the same kind of philosophy even when we take on cl- uh, teams like Saudi Arabia, Uzbekistan? Mm-hmm. He still Palestine, has the same yeah. kind. Yeah. How does it feel like for you as a player that yeah, he I think believes I, in it? I think uh, it shows that he believes in, in the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really feel good about this mm-hmm. because we know that we have a coach that believes in the team who uh, believes that we can achieve results. So I think naturally it motivates you. It gives you that belief, that confidence in yourself, in your teammates, you know, when you're playing. And uh, I must say that he's he's quite flexible as well because if you realize in the qualifiers that we start, we started with Yemen, we played 4-3-3. Yeah. But when we played uh, Palestine, we we swap around a little bit, you know. So I think he's he's quite flexible. He knows how to read the game and analyze the game as well, and 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 see how we can use our players to to uh give or damage, you know, cause some damage to the mm-hmm. opposition. So so credit credit to him. Yeah. 
before I ask this next question, just want to provide a bit of context. So, for national team games, uh, once the match is over, the players will actually have to walk past this area called the mix zone before they get on the bus or, or before they mm. go back home. And uh, one thing about Harris that I have always uh, told my friends about is the fact that no matter the result, no matter how he plays, yeah. he always, always makes it a point to speak to the reporters if they want to interview him. It means he never shies away from commenting. Mm. And where does that come from? I mean, this uh, thing to be accountable for, for what you just did on the page yeah. or be accountable for your performance. Where does it come from that you don't shy away from the media? Uh, I think as national team players, we we have a responsibility mm-hmm. thing as, uh, to the people. So, uh, when we play for the national team, we put on that red jersey, we are accountable to to all Singaporeans and I think our way of communi- communication to, to them is through the media. So, I mean, as long as, you know, there's nothing personal, I think it's 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 okay for me. Uh, whether it's a good game, good game, fine. You know, it's very easy to talk you know, about the good things. But yeah. if it's a bad game for the team or for, for myself, you have to take responsibility. There's, uh, I don't see any uh, shame in that, you mm-hmm. know. You just have to put your hand up. Say that, you know, we didn't do well. I didn't do well. You know, it can be better. We have to go back to the drawing block. I mean, that's the only way you can improve. So, so for me... Uh, there's no point in like you know sulking and then it's just about looking forward you know if stay positive and, and look forward so I if at all possible of course sometimes you know there are marshals who are marshalling you and rushing you and you know I, I'm sorry about that but you know yeah. but if I have the time and it's possible I'll stop so that, that's that's how I feel because I feel that you know we are comfortable uh, to to explain ourselves mm-hmm. to 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 the public about how 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 we have performed yeah Two two areas of your career that you probably wouldn't best remember it for was uh two thousand eight and two thousand ten when you suffered uh, bad injuries and you had to yep. miss the Suzuki Cup, correct? Yes, uh, I, I missed years. the yes both years I missed the. Suzuki so Cup, the first yeah. one was a ligament tear uh during the S League match. Yes, and then the second one was a fracture, correct? Fracture uh during the Asian Games in the Asian same Games. year. Yeah. So of course uh at this point were you afraid that your career could be over because I mean with bad injuries and especially because this came quite close to each, each other yeah. do you feel like your career was at, at a standstill? Uh, no I mean I was disappointed Uh, I had doubts in my mind like you know because when I was a young boy coming on you know I was really aggressive robust you know my style was was like this you know yeah. just to get about I was I was box to box kind of player you know putting my body around and, and you know it was just my style so when I got these injuries and I was out for a long, long, long time. You know, I had question marks in my head whether I could play that same style or not. But eventually with game time, you know, with confidence, of course, you have to do the the required strengthening work, gym work, mm-hmm. you know, put the hard work in. I think it, it came back, you know. And it was the same for me in these two, these two uh, times where, where I was out for a significant time. But of course, with age, I must say that, you know, you start to feel a little bit uh, about this and you start to play more with your experience than just with your youth, youthfulness yeah. because of course when you age you, you don't have the, mm-hmm. the age on your side you have to play with experience so uh, my style right now is is a little bit different from when I started you know, I'm, I'm not robust and I, I rely about a lot more a lot more on my analyzing the game reading mm-hmm. of the game and, and, and you know try to to put myself in the right position at the right time yeah. It's funny that you say that because when we, <laughs> we watch you play, you're the most robust player on the pitch. <laughs> I mean, uh, of course, football, you have to play with aggression, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's controlled aggression when you need mm. it. So, 
I'm I'm not saying that I'm a totally different player from when mm. I was. I still retain that a little bit inside of me. But you know, your head, you have to listen to mm. your head. Sometimes, uh, like I said, the experience that you accumulate over the years, uh, playing big games uh, at a high level, uh, it it plays a part in, in, in your judgment, your analysis of the game, of your position, of how the game is going. So, uh, if you need to, yes. But if you, do, if you don't need to, you know, you try to... Use you know like reading of the game and and other other parts mm-hmm. of the game I would say yeah. Well, of course, your injuries meant that you had to wait for your Suzuki Cup debut, and then you finally had your debut in two thousand twelve, yes. correct? Yeah. And then of course, in your first year of the Suzuki Cup, you you guys go on to win it, and then there was a a warm welcome at Changi Airport. You guys went on yeah. a, a bus Open tour at bus, yes. Orchard Road, correct? Yep. I mean, how was the experience like? Firstly, uh, to come back to such an uh, a welcome, and mm-hmm. secondly. How was it like being with the squad and then going on to win? And if I remember correctly, you did get injured. Yes, I was injured stage. after the I was injured in the second game. Second game, yes. Yeah. So I think overall, generally, that that it was a memorable tournament for us in the, the team. I think I, if I can remember, uh, you, the team and Ready in particular came in for a lot of flick from the media, from the public, uh, mm-hmm. before the competition because we weren't doing so well. We didn't get really good results. Uh, but then you know, Ready is Ready. He's a fighter. He he's he's experience over over the years in in Europe in Middle East. Uh, he knew what he was doing, you know, but he was just quiet about it. We went to a we went on a training tour in Japan before that that uh campaign, and it was a really really good training tour. We we played really good. Uh, we played teams like Shimizu Espals. Mm-hmm. Uh, had really good training sessions, good team bonding, and uh, it was what we needed. Uh, we came out of it really strong and we, we were quite quietly confident going into the 2012 Cup. And it was a perfect setting for us to start off at uh, Bukit Jalil mm-hmm. uh, against Malaysia, defending yeah. champions then, our arch rivals. So mm-hmm. to get that 3-0 win, set the tone for that that uh, campaign. But of course, you know, the group stage was a little bit topsy-turvy. You know, we, drew, uh, we lost and then we, we had to come back from behind to beat Laos to qualify. Mm-hmm. But from then on, I think it was, was just... Uh, the belief that the team had in, in, in each other in themselves that you know we're going to work for each other we're going to do this for for each other for Radi because we knew Radi was going to leave mm-hmm. after that yeah. uh, that campaign and uh, we just went all the way you, you could see in the semi-final against Philippines and the final against Thailand how the boys played you know collectively it, it was just uh, memorable yeah Was that your first uh, trophy as a professional footballer? E- yes I would say yes. That was my first. I mean, if you put aside the Sea Games medals, mm-hmm. my professional football, yes, that that would be my my first. Uh, so I would assume. Uh, I mean, now you have much more medals than before, but do you keep all of them at your house? Or? I still, I still do. <laughs> I'm a little bit messy because I just put it at home, and <laughs> I kind of forget where I put. It. But of course, after I got married, you know, my wife, mm-hmm. my my mom, and then my wife used to, you know, they they put it in a really nice place, and okay. uh, and yeah, I still do have have them at home. Yeah. All right, moving on to Lions 12, um, I would say, the correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's the first time that you will get a real chance at playing regularly in front of uh, crowds. Yep, yep. Uh, what are your best memories of being with the Lions 12? I think it was uh, traveling in and around Malaysia because before that, I was just playing in Singapore. You know, mm-hmm. Singapore home and away is the same. <laughs> You're going to travel, you don't stay in hotels, yeah. you know. In Malaysia, we have to go a day before you, you stay there, you eat. You sleep, you mm-hmm. play the game, you come back the next day. So yep. it's at least three days, and 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 uh, I think a uh, few of the games at home also we 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 stayed in a hotel. So that that uh feeling of 
professional football, you know, like to travel, mm. you know, to have, uh, to do everything as a team. You know, that that was my first taste uh, at the age of 21, 22. So it, it was quite memorable, especially our trips up to, to Malaysia. Uh, we learned a lot playing against uh, these state teams with huge crowds. Yeah. And, uh, but we had seasoned pros like Sharil, like Bai to help us. So, as young boys, we we were we, we we did really well as a team. Yeah. You, do you vividly remember the first game that we played at uh, Jalan Besar yeah, against, against Kelantan. Kelantan? Yes, we, we do, we do. Uh, I, I mean, I do because uh, it was full house. Yep. It was just wonderful to see uh, Jalan Besar Stadium and with the stand so close. You know, the noise. Of course, it's only six thousand, but the noise that it generates when you have the and then they they open a King George stand yep. behind. Did you join by when you went over? Yeah, jo- by did the WWE yeah. celebration <laughs> and then you know it was just we were all there with him. We were so we were so happy, you know, that we we got the we got the goal and we thought we thought we were gonna win the game and 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 all that. But Kelantan was really tough team. They were the defending yep. champions, so uh, it was it was a nice introduction for us to Malaysian football. But we knew that you know it was a long tough road ahead. What was your mindset when you first started the season with Lions Twelve in the Malaysian Super League? Was was it to get spotted by? A Malaysian side. Did you ever have that in your thinking? Uh, honestly, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I for me it was just to help the team. Uh, Lion Chef to do well, because uh, it was our first year back in Malaysian football. Uh, since ninety four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and of course, uh, ninety four. I was only four years old, so I was a little bit too young to to re- to remember about you know our success. Uh, in the eighties and nineties. Uh. But, you know, I heard the stories from uncles, from my, my dad, you know, how it means a lot to Singapore fans and, and the crowd that turned up for our time, I mean, for the Lions Shelf time in Malaysian domestic football, mm-hmm. shows how much it means to Singapore Singapore fans. So, uh, I just wanted to win something with the team, you know, with, with Lions so can If we can replicate, uh, replicate what happened in 94, so it would be perfect. So, but in, in, it didn't work out as as uh, as we wanted to in that first year. Yep. Uh, but it was it was nevertheless it was it was a very very good experience for us. Uh, to 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 taste how how it is like you know, uh, Malaysian football is. So when do you first start to hear of interest from Malaysian teams? Because I remember before you agreed to join JDT, there were also a few other teams that were that were I would say reportedly uh in for you. Yeah. So. When do you first start to hear the interest and when do you realize that, okay, maybe I think this is one way to further my career? Yeah, I think uh, in that second year, mm-hmm. in 2013, when we were cruising to the league title, mm-hmm. uh, towards the towards the middle of the year, because I think the league ended in July, sometime in July. So as we were finishing the league, I started to hear, you know, some interest in me. But, you know, I didn't want to to too much of it I was just focused on winning and, and that game against Felda was coming up in, in Jalan Besar to yeah. pinch the title mm-hmm. so I had to put everything aside you know mentally to, to just focus solely because we were too close to you know let it slip so so for us uh, was was very very important to to win to wrap up that that, that league title uh, and and also it was very close to my uh, move to Portugal you know my my supposed move to, to Portugal it, it didn't happen in the end for, for other reasons mm-hmm. but uh, you know that second half of the year in 2013 a lot of things were happening because I was going to finish my national service and you know uh, offers were coming in and then you know was was about choosing the right step so uh, but I was totally focused because it was a surprise season honestly because we were a younger team than in 2012 okay. we only had five senior players mm-hmm. 
and uh, what a run i think we surprise ourselves in 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 some aspects but but uh we knew that you know we we could be champions because at jalan besar we were we were unta- untouchable yeah. yeah so you earned the move to johor darul takzim in 2014 mm-hmm. and um how tough was the initial setting in period because i mean for the malaysian players it'd be like he's a singaporean guy yeah, yeah. coming to our team yeah. i mean do you feel awkward around them do you feel like you have to prove yourself mm-hmm. again and this time will be harder because you have to put in performances that are mm-hmm. better than the local players yeah, to prove yeah. that you deserve a spot in the team. Yeah, that, that was another learning curve because mm-hmm. all along I was kind of, I would say, pampered, you know, a local player. If you don't perform, there's not really much of consequences, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But in in Malaysia, uh, expectations are really high. And like you mentioned, Singapore is going to play in Malaysia. The rivalry is always there. People are going to always look at you. Mm. Uh, but I must say, uh, the man, the management, the the coaches, the players were were really nice, very welcoming to me. But uh, I I was a foreign player. I took out one of the the foreign quota, and in that time it was three plus one. So one foreigner had to sit on the bench, and mm-hmm. only three could play. And I was the one who was sitting on the bench in the early months. So it was really tough for me. But it was another learning curve for me. You know, uh, uh, I, those playing on the pitch was uh, Aima Pablo Aima. Figueroa and by by Haki. Yeah. Oh, who am I to complain? And I was just a young boy, and their season pro is a big name. So what could I say? Mm. So I, I just learned. I just worked my socks off. Uh, just waited for my chance. I mean, I I did come on. I came on most games actually to yeah. to to replace one of the foreigners. Uh, but you know, I was re- I was already starting until maybe I think April, March or April. So, but but I didn't complain. I mean, I I had no chance to complain. You were there just to, to enjoy your your first foreign to to football uh, away from home and at a big club JDT was up and coming you know so many things were, were happening they had a, a, a vision that they wanted to achieve and I was just glad to be part of it and I wanted to make sure that you know I succeed so I just started to work hard and, and wait for my time from being unsure of your place in JDT's side uh, you are now the captain yeah. of JDT did you ever think that that would happen and when did you first start to hear um, that you could possibly go on to captain the side and How proud were you when you first stepped on the pitch as the captain of LGDT? It's it's always a proud moment whether I I, I captain my my country or or my my club LGDT. Mm-hmm. It's always a proud moment. Uh, I never thought of it in the in in the in the first place. Like mm-hmm. when I started to when I signed for LGDT, I never thought about being captain in the end. Uh, I mean one day being captain, but you know it just happened. I I just my my style my 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 playing style my my nature my character is you know i i like to be i like to organize things you know i like to make sure everything's in in place whether it's mm-hmm. on on off the field so i didn't change i went there uh, of course i was a little bit more conservative a, a bit more reserved in my first one or two years in 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 jdt because you know i was a new player there but you know from my third year on i think i was more involved you know i was more vocal and and, and you know i think uh, people could see what my style was and and they knew that I was I was captain for 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 national team uh Singapore national team as well so 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 they know knew, knew what I, my my capabilities were so the the story of how I became captain was actually uh quite uh surprising for me myself because mm-hmm. I never hear any any uh rumors or story that you know the amen would be given to me uh because uh Our captain was was not playing a couple of games, so you know the ambient was was being rotated uh, around the senior players, foreigners, and but not me. So, but I was totally okay with it because you know I was not I, I'm not one that you know hey I need to have the ambient to play like myself. You know, mm. 
I just went about doing my my own own job. So one day I went to game. Uh, I can't remember who we were playing, but it was a game at Larkin in Johor. And I turned up at the. I mean, we came down from the team bus, walked into the dressing room, and I saw the armband on my 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 jersey. You know, mm-hmm. my my place where I was sitting. And I took. I was like scratching my head. I was looking around. Nobody said anything. I took the armband and I went to give uh put it on the table of the other player who was the captain in the previous game. Mm-hmm. And I just went about my routines, you know, getting for, ready for the game. And the assistant coach came to me. He said, "Hey, no, take this back." I said, "No, coach, he's the captain before. You know, like you know, give it to him." No, boss said you're captain today. I said, "Oh, okay. What can you say, man? You cannot say anything to the yeah. big boss." I said, "Okay, I took the band, put it on, went to play the game." But you know, honestly, to me, uh, it's no different. You know, I just play my same way, same style. When and, you say boss, you're referring to TMJ. Yes, uh, um, TMJ. Yes. I mean, how? How do you think that trust came about? I mean, um, we we know and we have read stories about how much he trusts you. Yeah. How do you think that comes about? I think, uh, for me, I I don't really think about this. I just try to do my best on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, off the field, uh, we we maintain a really good relationship. You okay. know, I respect he, I respect him for who he is. Mm-hmm. He's the crown prince of Johor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's turned uh Johor football inside out to what it is mm-hmm. right now. Uh, to what it was in in 2012 because I remember we Lions Trophy played Johor FA in Larkin in 2012 and what it was in 2014 when I went there totally it was different, totally yeah. different it was only two two years so mm-hmm. I really hats off to him and biggest respect to him for 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 turning uh, Johor to JDT to what it is and what what we have right now mm-hmm. uh so. Uh, for me, I was just going there, doing my my best for for him, for the team. Because eventually, of course, we we're playing for him because football means a lot to him, and he's a passionate football football fan. Yeah. Before we move on and talk more about TMJ and current day JDT, let's just touch on the three possible uh overseas teams that you had. Mm-hmm. So the first one came in two thousand eight with Shanghai Shenhua. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Yes. So that was a one week stint, correct? I was there about ten days. About ten days. Yep. So, uh, what was that like? So, I remember that you had difficulties with the food. <laughs> and so, could you expand on? I mean, how much of a struggle it was? Uh, it was, it was, it was a huge struggle. I was only ten years old. Uh, I landed in in Shanghai. Somebody came to pick me up, drove me straight to the club. Uh, I don't know quarters dorm, whatever you call it. It was mm-hmm. a training ground. So they had office. I I reached there. I think sometime at night. It was late at night, so it's quite dark. I couldn't really see the building. So they just brought me in, drove me in. Brought me up to. I didn't have any food. I was I was hungry. That they brought me up to the dorm. Say, okay, this is your room. Have to sleep. See you tomorrow. So I slept. Woke up the next morning. See that it was a huge place, but it was a little bit old. Okay. The office, uh, and and dorms where we were staying, mm-hmm. and um, the pitch was just right there. So they had the cafeteria and and everything. But you know, being a Muslim, but you know they don't have uh catered halal food for mm-hmm. for Muslim players because I don't think they have any mm-hmm. any Muslim players in in the team at that point of time. So. I couldn't really co- complain. I had to make do. I had to have fish and, and vegetables and, you know, just to, to make do mm-hmm. with it. And um, in certain days, <laughs> I didn't have the option of fish as well. So <laughs> I had to to go hungry a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't have the proper nutrition. But but again, you, you learn so much from, from all this. Uh, I would say that, you know, it was not the best experience, but, you know, you learn a lot. And, and when it came... I was lucky enough because I was put in a room that was smaller than this room. Okay. It was just a toilet and uh, on the TV because then we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have, I don't think you could watch anything on Facebook or mm. just to get your time. Mm-hmm. I was lucky it was a 2010 World Cup. 
so I could watch World uh. Cup games. <laughs> Even though it was just uh everything was in Mandarin and you couldn't understand nuts, but you know this time they are playing. You just watch, you know. I could catch the the final World Cup final. Then mm-hmm. my my time in Shanghai it was a World Cup final, so just stay up to watch the game and just wait for the ten days to pass by. Uh, I I have to say I I didn't do. To be honest, I didn't do really well in that in that trial. It mm-hmm. was it was uh, a bit overwhelming for me. Yeah. Uh, but but it was a good experience for me. Yeah, I learned a lot from that. Yeah. Okay, the next one was uh the the, the one that you talked about earlier, which was uh, Rio Ave in Portugal. Yep. Um, lots of people had had things to say about that <laughs> yeah, experience. Yeah. I know why you why you rejected yeah, yeah. it. Um, but now looking back and what has gone on in your career, mm-hmm. uh, do you think you feel that you've indicated your decision to to not go to Portugal? Yes, I think so. But uh, there's always a question marks. What what could have been if I went to Europe? You know, could I have uh taken another step mm-hmm. to to bigger things, or or could I have just come back? And you know, this we will never know. Mm-hmm. But but you know, like you said, we know the reasons. why. I mean, I know the reasons why we we uh why why I didn't go in the end. Uh, and and. So were you frustrated that a lot of people didn't understand the fact that yes yes I was mm. to be honest I was because um looking from outside in is very easy yeah you know because let's like, be honest everyone was slamming you yeah I, I was uh, but I took it by stride I know everybody has uh, entitled to their own opinion mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't become personal uh I didn't need to to you know to come out to give a statement or reply to to that uh, because I knew what I was doing mm-hmm. and you don't you can't believe but it took me so long. To to actually make that decision to come to that decision, mm-hmm. uh, in the end, I I was sad, disappointed to make the decision, but in the end, I had to take it in my stride because I knew uh, I was doing what I felt was the best for me. It's not just about you know, hey, this club from from Europe wants you, let's go. You know, there's so many factors to 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 decide. Uh, one of it was my national service. I was still in yes. in national service then, so I had long long talk. Spending weeks with my family, uh, discussions with uh the the top guys in in FAS, uh, but you know eventually I thought you know it's not the best 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 time for me to go. Of course, I didn't know whether another opportunity will come, but mm-hmm. you know I I knew that you know sometimes you have to play by instinct. You know the instinct that that something inside of me told me like you know this is not the one. So I decided to let it go. Was there a pressure like at the back of your head to be the next Singaporean player to play to play in Europe? Was it part of your, or did you take that into consideration, or was it was it were you focused at? Uh, it was my, right it, it was my personal ambition from mm. young or from since I decided you know football. Well, I mean, since I decided to make football my career, but you know when this thing came about Rio Ave, I I didn't have any pressure before mm. that. But when people when the media started to to talk about me going to Portugal. Uh, the media started to hype it up. You know, people mm. were 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 excited, trying, yeah. yes, excited. <laughs> of course, that pressure came along. You know, like, since Fundy, since Sundram, you know, mm. somebody is going to go there, and you know, blah blah yeah. blah. So, of course, that pressure was there. But you know, I I had to to you know, to stand firm. I had to just sit down and 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 decide and put everything in front of me and and, and think whether this was the best for me. So in the end, you know, I had to go by by instinct and and. It was not, and I just let, decided to let it go. Yeah. Right, then in 2017, um, the opportunity with yep. uh, hospital, I'm yes. saying, right? Yep. You actually went there, and yep. then um, financial and taxation problems meant that you had to come back. Yep. But were you afraid that this could mean that your time in GDT was up, or, or do you feel at all unsure? 
Yeah, I was unsure actually. Mm-hmm. I was quite surprised because in 2016, we we kind of did well. We were unbeaten in the league. We went to AFC Cup semi-final. We won the FA Cup. And I think I, I did well. I mean, being I, I played a lot of games and I was uh, in the first 11 yep. most of the time. So it came as a surprise to me that at the end of that season, before we started pre-season for 2017, Uh, I was called in and and told that I would be loaned out to Europe. I mean, half of me was like surprised, like why are they doing this? You know, I was like, what's wrong? And another half, I was excited because mm-hmm. you know to go to Europe and you know it, it was a personal ambition of of mine. So, but nevertheless, I I I trust the club, the management, TMJ's decision, you know, to to actually send me to on loan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I went to Spain and and and. We know how that turned out. It didn't work out. I went there for about close to two to three weeks. Uh, I trained with the club. Uh, like I mentioned before, it was really competitive, high intensity. But I think I coped well. I think given time, I could have uh, actually blend in and, and do really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was told that <laughs> it were, they couldn't sign me, they couldn't give me a work permit because of the club's debts and financial situation because it is how it is yeah. uh, i mean the spanish authorities mm-hmm. um, protocol or whatever you you call that a uh, part of me sunk you know like like hey what you came so far and you know you think you're going to sign and 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 there it all goes mm-hmm. so i was uh, but i was happy in the sense you know because my wife and my my newborn daughter came Just at that mm. time, like I think a day before or two days before, I was told. So I was not alone. I mean, being alone and mm. to hear all this, it was yeah. it could have been a lot to take in, and and I just wanted to put football out of the window and spend time with my. I still had I think like a week. No, sorry, I had about a couple of days more with my my family. That's so why we just went around the place, you know, spend some time with with my daughter and my my wife, and uh, try to put it. But at the same time, of course, I was trying to negotiate with with uh, because JDT already had their foreign quota yeah. taken up. I had to find a club. You know, I was trying to go to uh, Thailand, but it was mm. closed. Australia was closing. You know, Australia also closed. So it was really difficult times for me to find a club, and I decided, you know, come back to to S. Then was called the S League, so mm-hmm. come back to S League, and um, it was between Home United and 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 Tampines, uh, because both clubs were playing in the AFC, and I decided to go with Home United because of my boyhood club. Yeah. Yep. So of course, uh, currently you are flourishing with JDT, and I mean after that. Uh, home United stint. You went back to JDT and yep. and and you have been doing very well there. But current day JDT, you guys win everything before you in the league. I mean, um, cup games and <laughs> and whatnot. Give us an insight into the mentality at JDT. What drives you on each year to keep going back to the training field, working hard on yourself, working hard on a team, and win again and again and again. I think each year is a brand new year. You want to win everything that's in front of you. So this mentality of of. Uh... Of the club, what if win previously or the year before doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It all goes out the window. It goes into the traf- trophy cabinet in the headquarters. You know, nothing is at our training ground. So our training ground, you only see the pitch, the indoor pitch, the gym, and they have now a wall with graffiti painted and TMJ's eyes looking at you. So you know he has his <laughs> eyes on you all the time. You know, so they kind of, he kind of, you know, we know like, hey, we have to be on the toes. He's watching mm-hmm. us, you know, all the time. But that's his theory behind having that. Uh, that you know, that drawing, that that graffiti painted wall. You know, because once we come out, we fire our cars. We come out and walk into the dressing room, and you have the eyes just looking at you right there. So, uh, <laughs> but that's his. That that's how his mentality is, and it 
goes right down through the 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 club's hierarchy so all the way down to to the the players i think it's important that you know we win everything that's ahead of us in in domestic football and of course we we've not done that you know but we've managed to win the league all along mm-hmm. uh, of course the cup sometimes you win the FA cup sometimes we win the malaysia cup malaysia and we've cup. been winning the the charity shield mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think trying to win everything that's before us is is uh there's there's a mentality in in uh verity. Along the way, um, of course, do you find it that it's easier to f- for fans to you know criticize you because again you are you are not a local player yeah. for them, and um when you have bad games mm-hmm. when you are in like bad form, do you actually pay attention to that? Do you actually go on to social media and see like <laughs> whether they are they are criticizing you? I think and recently there were there were some there were some comments. <laughs> yeah, I mean honestly. <laughs> Like I said, fans are entitled to their own opinion. I don't take too much of it. Mm-hmm. You read, I don't read. You know, like sometimes family or friends send send to me and say, "Ah, it's okay. What, what, what do you? What, what can I do? You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> I can't reply to them because yeah. I think that is the wrong move. That's the mm-hmm. the worst thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, just go about your business. I think you only can prove on the field. Let your feet do the talking. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and football fans are like this. You know, the passionate ones, the ones that they really know football, they know. How it works, you yeah. know, they they cannot they 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 understand that you're not always at the top, you know, mm. there's going to be up and down, you know, and some fans when you play well, they clap hands and say you're the best, and the same fan when you play bad, they're going to say you're the worst, you know, replace him with somebody, you know. Mm. So I take it in the stride. I mean, that's how it is. That's the that's that's how the football industry is, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't pay too much attention to it because if I do, you know, mentally. You're going to be affected a lot, yep. and uh, I I I just try to work my my best to to get to the the best level that I can to play. Yeah. Along the way at JDT, you've had the pleasure of playing with some of the I would say top foreign pros. Yep. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, Pablo Ema. Uh, currently you have Diego yep. Mauricio. Um, what have you learned from these guys? I mean, is it really another level when they come in? Yes, yes. Uh, it is. They they are really top pros. They played in big clubs in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pablo Aymar needs no no introduction. He played top clubs in Champions League, yeah, in in World Cups, Copa America, and uh, Diogo Mauricio. We know where they play. They play in uh, Greece, mm. in Portugal, in Italy. And Marcos Antonio, yes, uh, Marcos a Antonio. really good friend of mine, played in Portugal and, and in Luciano, Germany. Figueroa. In Figueroa also, mm. Luciano also played in uh, in a couple of uh, in England as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, how they carry themselves, how they they train, you know how how. The, the professional mentality it really rubs off on you so when you leak especially so when I first came in it was uh, Pablo Aima Marcos Antonio um, Luciano Figueroa so uh, you know you learn how how I was I was young still so you, you learn you look you know you follow them a little bit and, and that's how you 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 grow as a player mm-hmm. tell us a bit about the relationship between you and TMG I mean you did talk about it earlier but mm. in terms of uh, the off-field stuff um, have you like for example gone to his house and, and, and do you really socialize with him uh, off the pitch uh, I think he he's uh, he knows where to draw the line mm-hmm. as, as the the owner of the club mm-hmm. uh, not only for myself I mean for myself he we, we have a, like I said before we have a really good relationship uh, socializing I wouldn't say like one to one, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we socialize as players. So he socialized really well with the the players. Okay. Along with really well with the players. So when when we have certain gatherings or uh parties, what whatever you call it, you know, we 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 are there together. You know, he, he mingles with the players, get along really well with the players, and 
he will just get along like you know like we wouldn't say that he's the crown crown prince mm-hmm. you know there's no uh there's no um air about him you know mm-hmm. he's very he really brings himself to to the level of the players joking and, and talking and you know try to make us comfortable so that, that's how how it is but he's really competitive person i think we can see uh not only in football in everything you know he wants the best nothing but the best yep. so I think that's quite infectious. You know, when you see somebody uh, famous, somebody uh, renowned like him, you know, the Crown Prince of Johor, uh, like this, and you know, and you are part of his organization, his association, you want to be nothing but the best also. So, mm-hmm. so I think uh, he sets the tone. Yep. Share with us an, uh, uh, a time where maybe you saw something that he did or he does that makes you feel really shocked. I mean, at his house, Something that you saw, like wow, this guy is really too rich. Something like that. I think I I, I shared this story uh with some people before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to uh, Mersing. Mersing is is uh further up from Johor. It's maybe two hours, and okay. and they have this place called the Flintstones House. The Flintstones House. Yeah, okay. and I was thinking like what? Okay, I, my first time there, so I was <laughs> like, what was this? But anyway, when you go there, you don't believe me. It's just huge, huge, and it's literally Flintstones team wow so <laughs> so it was like and behind and that's the, his residence uh, no I think I, I'm not no no he doesn't stay there it's okay. just like uh, it's one of his house one of his places uh, I would say like where, where you go there to chill ah, and, and okay. relax you know and then you have the the, the coast behind the, the sea mm-hmm. and a huge plot, plot of land you know, where you can horse ride and relax and, and you know, do, do all the stuff but that was really uh, uh, first time I went there I was like wow oh, this is like in the movies man but this is real <laughs> This place really exi- uh, exi- exists yeah. in uh, in in uh, in in Mersing. So, but uh, we don't know where it is because it's like really too 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 far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we finish the chat, um, of course you are you are you are right now in the I would say the prime of your career in a sense. Uh, but would you say that you aim to finish your career in GDT? Uh, what do you have in mind post football career? Mm-hmm. Uh, we never know. Honestly, we never know. We only can make plans. Mm-hmm. Uh. I would like to think yes. I I would like to stay JDT for the longest time possible. Uh, try to give my best for the club because the club has given me so much over over the years since I joined them. Taken care of me, taken care of me really well. Um, and also uh, we have achieved a lot of uh, I have achieved a lot of success with the club. A lot of um, uh, achievements like the AFC Cup is really memorable. Something that is uh. Up there, you know, like uh, no one has achieved before. Yeah. So, uh, I would like to stay for for as long as possible. We we don't know. We cannot stay forever because we don't know. We have to make uh, other plans. Uh, in terms of football, I like to play. I would love to to play my my have my career for for as long as I can. Thirty five, thirty six. Try to stay fit because that, that's really crucial when you're when you're aging, and. Um, in terms of after after life after after football, uh, I, I I plan to take my my coaching badges, but I'm not too sure whether I would go into eventually. Mm-hmm. But you do have an interest in coaching. I I I would think I would like to think that I'll make a good coach, but <laughs> you don't know until you become a good coach. Yeah. Yep. But then again, uh, the coaching line it's it's like really you know not stable, especially at that that high level. Yeah. You know, it's it's always results oriented, results based. So, 
maybe I would like to take a break from that, you know. But yeah. nevertheless, I think I have the interest to take. But whether I pursue it or not, it's 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 really another matter altogether. So, but I have other plans in 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 the works. Uh, nothing concrete yet, but mm-hmm. but I'm working towards it. So hopefully, it will turn out well well in the coming years. Yeah. All right. Before I let you go, uh, we have the quick fire round. Five questions that I need an immediate answer to. Mm-hmm. So we start off with uh, who's the best player that you have played alongside? Your best teammate, basically. Best teammate I have played alongside um Pablo Aima. Pablo Aima, okay. Uh, the best player that you have faced. Best player I have faced um, Di Maria. Di Maria, uh, that was when against Argentina. Ju- Juventus. Eh, not no, Juventus, Argentina, sorry. When? Singapore Argentina. Singapore Argentina. Yep. That was a couple of years ago. Two thousand seventeen. What what is it about him that stood up for you? Because you have played against, I mean, most recently Iniesta. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, sorry, I forgot about that. Iniesta. <laughs> <laughs> How was that like playing against Iniesta? Yeah, I totally forgot about Iniesta. We just played like a couple of months ago. Oh, Iniesta was. So let me change my question. Answer Iniesta. is Iniesta now. Yeah. So how is it like playing against him? Oh, uh, Iniesta was was untouchable. I couldn't get close to him, and when you got close to him, he was just poof, gone. You know, mm-hmm. like in 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 a split second. So. Can you imagine how good the guy was 10 years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mentioned this before. He was the best player in the world behind Cristiano and, and Messi before. Mm-hmm. And that is really top, top level. So, yeah. He's 35 and he's that good. So, I can't imagine how he was at 25, 26. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, just a short note about Di Maria. I mean, how was he like playing against him? Uh, Di Maria was... was uh, because he was quick fire, so I just said Di Maria, you know, because he was <laughs> one of those... was silky, you know, like... He looked so languid and... and, and, and so lazy, you know, yeah, like yeah. you you think they're gonna nick the ball off. Easy for him. Yeah. yeah, and he just glides along and, and goes goes off, you know. So I think that was that was a difficult part because when as a footballer, especially so in my position where you feel like you can win the ball, you know, with a tackle or with your body, mm-hmm. and you're going to do that and off he's gone. That's mm-hmm. the most difficult thing. Yeah. So yeah, he it was like this with him. If there was one Singapore football legend that you could play with now, who would it be? Mm, Fundy. Fundy. <laughs> you you've been coached by him before, right? Yes. How how is he like as a coach, as a person even? Uh, I think as a person, we we all know he's uh quite jovial, yeah. really down to earth, uh, really nice. He takes uh, uh extra interest in how the players are of the field, you know, mm-hmm. make sure everything's okay, and and really takes care of his his players. So, uh, I've seen Fandi play in his later years, as in when the estate was in his uh early stages in the okay. late nineties. Mm-hmm. I was a young boy going to stadium to watch him play, and and the hype the the big hoo-ha about him, uh, how good he was, the legendary, iconic status that he was having. Uh, you could see in his uh, later years, but I would have liked to see it, you know, I mean, of course, I was too young. I probably mm-hmm. wasn't even born yet, you know, when he was in his prime. So I would have liked to have played against, uh, with him in, in, in his prime. Yeah. You're playing with two fundies right now in the national team. What what, what are your yeah. thoughts on <laughs> two of them? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. It's, it's still fundy, you know, like, yeah. but uh, yeah, they, they are really good players. It's fun and Nixon in their own right. Uh, we know how uh, robust, how strong mm. Irfan is in uh, his position and his, his build. Gives him an advantage over a lot of players. And Nixon also, I think, young boy, he's got quite a number of goals in his early year, uh, early uh, career so far, especially so with the national team. So uh, I would like to think, and I think they really have bright futures and, and hope they can bring uh, our national team to the next level. Mm-hmm. Your proudest moment in football is? Uh, putting on the national team jersey. Awesome. Uh, which goes right for our last question, which is, what is your wish for Singapore football? For Singapore football to be uh, the best again in, in Southeast Asia. For step, you know, step by step, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually, of course, Asia in in future, 
And uh, I think we have been, we have long suffering fans. So <laughs> let's take uh, one step at a time and try to win the Suzuki Cup again before, you know, trying to qualify for the, the Asian Cup or and, and, and other high level stuff. Yeah. Okay, before we go, I'd like to just, uh, on behalf of the final whistle, I'd like to wish you and your wife congratulations ahead of uh, the birth of your son, <laughs> which is anytime now, correct? Yes, you're just waiting <laughs> anytime right now. Yep. Waiting so for the of pop, course, yeah. uh, all the best when the season resumes, whenever that is. And yeah. uh, thank you again for coming on to the podcast. Thanks thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this episode of The Final Whistle. Join us again next week. And until then, this has been The Final Whistle.